Mark 12:28 to 37. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there's no other beside him, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. This is God's word. Please be seated. Well, good morning, College Church. It is so good to be here with you, you this morning, this Missions Fest Sunday. And on behalf of all of the missionaries who are here, let me say thank you for all that this congregation does. This, this congregation could write, could write a book on the best practices of mission, sending and caring. Kurt, Brad, just a little hint there. God is on mission around the world. And I, I would love to see you take advantage of the opportunities you have this week to see how you can partner with him, both here in Wheaton in the greater Chicago area and around the globe. This, this year's theme for missions conference is a Christ-centered mission. And this morning we'll be exploring the authority of Christ, particularly as it relates to being a disciple and making a disciple. We read our text from Mark chapter 12, but I will be referring to Matthew chapter 28 in a minute. When we think about authority, authority is the right to influence. Now, a month ago, I was on the sideline of the Czech Bowl. This is the championship game of the highest league of American football in the Czech Republic. And I was there because I coached the defensive line of the Prague Lions. Now, interestingly enough, the Prague Lions have orange and blue. And it is somewhat connected to college church because after the fall of communism, Jerry Root rounded up a bunch of us old football players. I didn't, wasn't on the trip. But he took a trip into the former Soviet Union and he left his uniforms, Wheaton College uniforms, in Prague. And that's where our orange and blue comes from. And this spring, we're hoping to host a team of Wheaton College, Wheaton College football players to come and be with our football players on the team. Now, we lost the championship game, which is disappointing because I coached to win. But along the way of coaching, I'm looking for discipling opportunities. 
Coaching puts me in the lives of some wonderful men created in the image of God who rarely take time to consider the condition of their souls. I have positional authority as a coach. I can say, run and they run. I can say, go into the game or come out and they act and respond immediately. I can say, hit low and they need me to say it again and again and again. They try. In addition to positional authority, I am looking for relational authority. I'm hoping that they see something in my life, something in my marriage with Debbie that gives me a little bit more influence in their lives. Like when uh, one of my players asked to ride home with me after a game. And he began to ask me, how did I know Debbie was the one that I should marry? And then he began to tell me about his girlfriend and their relationship. And it led naturally into a conversation about God's will for our lives. God's design for a man and woman. And how Jesus leads us through those things. He later told me I was the first person he ever talked to as if they had a relationship with Jesus because to him, Jesus was just like the man on the moon, a myth that we make up in our minds. We work in the most atheistic country in Europe, the third in the world. But my experience in talking with Czechs is that they are not convinced atheists. They've been raised in a post-communist country. They've never had the opportunity to talk about religious things, spiritual things in their home or in school. And so they feel they lack the confidence. They feel they lack the words. But when you get involved in a conversation with them, their thoughts begin to move. So I have authority as a coach positionally, and I'm looking for influence in their lives along the way, which we call relational authority. Before we go to our Mark passage, I just want to review the things about Matthew 28, 16. After Jesus' resurrection... Matthew tells us that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mount on which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Jesus tells his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And then using that authority, he asks the disciples that knew him best to go and make disciples. Now, there are other things in this passage that explain that more fully. And there are other verses in scripture that explain other commands that Jesus gives to those who want to follow him. And we'll be looking at one of those in a minute in Mark chapter 12. But his last words to his closest disciples were, go and make disciples. A Christ-centered mission begins with being a disciple of Christ and the mission is to make disciples of Christ. It takes a disciple of Christ to make a disciple of Christ. The biggest need on the mission field today, in my opinion, is disciples who can make disciples. (laughs) Or as a friend of mine says, missionaries that can mish. (laughs) Yet when I look out across the evangelical landscape, both here and overseas, it's not hard to find the rubble left behind someone who is not a disciple of Christ trying to make a disciple of Christ. Being a disciple and making a disciple, what does that mean? Well, let's, learn, let's turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and watch Jesus defining and making a disciple. Verse 28, and one of the scribes came 
up and heard them disputing with one another. Seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, the scribe asked him, what commandment is most important of all? Now to put this in context, just look up a little bit into Mark eleven twenty-eight, which tells us that the religious leaders were disputing the authority of Jesus and asking him, who gave you this authority? Not everyone, if we read in chapter 11, disputed that authority. Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a colt to songs of praise and shouts of hallelujah. His authority was not disputed by the crowds that were gathering to hear him teach and were amazed at the truth that he had. His authority was not challenged as he came into the temple and overthrew tables and stopped the vendors from trading. No one tried to stop him. But it was the religious leaders who disputed his authority. And this section we're looking at today is Mark's two-chapter narrative of Jesus responding to to the challenge of his authority. Authority is the right to influence, but it can be disputed just as the religious leaders here are disputing Christ's authority. I was talking to a friend of mine in Prague and we were talking about this issue and the illustration of a coin came to our mind. So it's a two-headed coin and heads is the authority and tails is the reaction. Heads means that you will bend your will to the influence of the authority. Tails means that you do not bend your will to the authority. And coins are flipped over and over daily and they always land tails up. We have to reach out and accept the influence that is being given to us. And as the religious leaders were disputing Jesus' authority, they realized that not many people were turning their coins over. They were leaving them tail side up. And they're asking Jesus, who gave you the right? Who gave you a coin? Again, verse 28. One of the scribes came up and he heard them disputing. With one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, the scribe asked him, What commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. This answer, Pastor Kent Hughes called consummately brilliant, referring to Jesus quoting two passages from the Torah and forever fusing together the concept of loving God and loving humanity in the minds of his disciples. Kingdom thinking, Jesus defines by quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And every word of that quote is important. It's called the Shema. And they were so well known that everyone in his audience could whisper the words as Jesus repeated them because they quote them twice a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus defines his disciples by love. With their entire being, They will love Yahweh, the God of Israel. They will devote everything to the one creator God who has revealed himself throughout human history, who who is revealed in the Old Testament and righteous in all of his mysterious ways. Their thinking is bent toward loving God. 
Now, the scribe asked for one command, it seems, but Jesus gives him two because Jesus knows his disciples. It's not about kingdom thinking. It's also about kingdom actions. Leviticus 19, 18, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is defining how his disciples act. They will take that natural love they have for themselves and learn to direct it outward. Their actions are bent towards loving others. As Jesus defines his disciples, it's both kingdom thinking and kingdom actions fused together, held in tension, equally important. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, but the scribe doesn't know that. The scribe sees a rabbi, he's impressed with what the rabbi is saying, and he asks the rabbi, what's the most important commandment? And this is like a big, fat, lobbing softball that Jesus knocks out of the park. How will the, how will the scribe react? This is, this is my authority. Do you, I'm sorry. This is how my disciples think. Do you accept it? This is how my disciples act. Do you accept it? And we can think about the scribe processing this. How does my knowing and loving God affect my ability to love my neighbor better? Or how does me loving my neighbor affect the ability to know and love God more? And as he's processing that, he suddenly blurts out, that's brilliant. Because the scribe says in verse 32, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. There is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding and all the strength and to love one's neighbor as a self is much more important than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The seeking scribe appropriately repeats Jesus's words, even adding his own commentary that these two commands is actually literally in the Greek way more important than the offerings and sacrifices. Jesus and the scribe seem to be on the same team, lockstep when it comes to kingdom thinking and kingdom actions. And for some, this might feel like a great place to end the narrative. The scribe is on track. All the pieces are in place. All we need now is a bit of time for the scribe to start thinking kingdom ways and acting kingdom deeds. But to Jesus, the scribe is still lacking one thing. Because Jesus says to the scribe, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Jesus looks at the scribe who had just agreed with him on the thinking and actions of kingdom people. This scribe had just burnt all of his bridges by verbally confirming that Jesus' way far exceeds the way of his culture, the way of, his religious, the re, the way of the religious leaders verbally in front of the religious leaders and his colleagues. And Jesus tells that scribe that he's close to the kingdom, which means he's not in the kingdom. (laughs) Jesus, the only one who holds all authority, the only one who could make that judgment call and be 100% accurate, looks at that scribe and says, you're not far from the kingdom. But Jesus doesn't leave the scribe pondering for long because the conversation continues as Jesus adds the final piece to his definition of disciple. And Jesus answering taught in the temple, and he said, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David calls him Lord, so how is he his son? This is how Jesus ends his conversation with the scribe. And this is how Mark wraps up this entire two-chapter section on Jesus' authority. With Jesus quoting Psalms 110. And Jesus' use of this verse is truly remarkable because with quoting one verse, he undoes the pseudo-authority of the scribes while gently pursuing one scribe, giving him the missing piece, the path to the kingdom. Now the phrase, the Lord said to my Lord, is the hinge, but its meaning might be a little challenging in our English translations. Jesus is quoting King David who writes that in the spirit, he, David, heard Yahweh speak to someone whom David then calls my Adonai, my Lord. Psalms 110 is some of the most quoted verses from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And they are David, they are the recording of David as he hears the creator God of Israel, Yahweh, give Adonai all authority. And as David understood this, he calls Adonai, my Adonai, my Lord. Jesus exposes the false authority of the scribes because these self-proclaimed experts of Scripture have no framework to answer why King David would submit to his future heir by calling him Lord if his future heir was just another human. And at the same time, Jesus is pointing the seeking scribe to himself, the gate of the kingdom, which is to follow David's example and acknowledge that Christ, the one standing before you now, is Adonai. To whom all authority in heaven and earth has been given. The third piece to Jesus' definition of a disciple is that their wills are bent toward the king. They are his disciples when they submit to his authority as king of God's kingdom. Kingdom thinking and kingdom actions are part of the definition of, of a disciple. But without proper alignment to the king, they remain only close to the kingdom. This past year I had the experience to experience this, this past year I had the experience uh, of this truth when discipling a Persian couple who had found themselves in Prague. They had a beautiful story of why they left Islam and had converted to Christianity. And Debbie and I served alongside them as, they, as we helped other refugees. Debbie and I and a few others had a Bible study with them in it. Now they lived in a house that had several families in it, including a Myanmar family that was pregnant. And the kitchen became pretty small for two cooking mothers. And I won't go into all of the details, but the little things turned into big things. And very soon we had an all-out feud in the house where the Persian family could not be in the same room as the Myanmar family without accusations and curses. We tried to manage the situation the best we could, We continued our Bible study. Debbie and a few others continued to pray and talk with the Persian wife. And one day things began to change. I didn't understand the change until later on when I heard what happened in court. So this family, the Persian family, had to come to the Czech courts to prove that if they were repatriated back to Iran, their lives were in danger. And so the Czech court had to hear that they were truly Christians. Now, ask yourself, how does the most atheistic country in Europe prove that someone's a Christian? (laughs) What they did is they asked this couple to repeat the Lord's Prayer, 
the Apostles' Creed, and a few other verses from Scripture. And after a few tense moments of the husband trying to jump through this hoop, they asked the wife to repeat the same exercise. And she said, I don't have those things memorized, but if you want to know why I am a Christian, all I can say is that when I was a Muslim, I couldn't really forgive. But now that I'm following Jesus, I can forgive even when it's hard because he helps me do it. Jesus defines his disciples by their love. Their thoughts are bent towards loving the true God of Israel. Their actions are bent towards loving others as themselves. And their wills are bent to him as king of the kingdom. That's who a disciple is. So what does it mean to make a disciple? What does Christ-centered mission look like? What what does it look like when a missionary misses? (laughs) I stand here today and I, I... I can guess that some of you are thinking, I've never been discipled. How could I ever disciple someone else? Well, the first thing I want to say is that if you are a disciple, if your thoughts and your actions and your will are being bent to the king, you have everything you need to disciple another because making disciples is inviting others into the process of being a disciple, into the process that we are all on, being more conformed to the image of Christ. To make a disciple is to invite others along in the journey of having our wills more responsive to the king's authority, our thinking and our actions more conformed to the ways of the kingdom. The second thing that I would say, if you're wondering how you can make a disciple, is that I will repeat what the pastoral staff have told me, and that is that they would love to have a chance to come alongside of anyone here today and think through ways to get you connected to others who are interested in being and making disciples. And then walking with you along the journey to support and encourage the making of disciples. As we look at Mark chapter 12, and I just want to highlight a few things about how Jesus makes a disciple here. How how Jesus is making a disciple of the seeking scribe. We also, we don't know if the seeking scribe actually bent his will. But what we do know is that Jesus is leading him closer to the kingdom. The first thing as we look at Jesus is his intentional looking for openness. We don't know, we don't know that the scribe ever moved from being near the kingdom to being in the kingdom. We don't know if he ever submitted his will to the king. But what we do see is Jesus inviting the scribe to join him and move more fully under his reign and rule. As the religious leaders are confronting Jesus about his authority, Jesus is looking for openness. He's inviting them to rethink their perspective, inviting them into the kingdom and his authority. And one of the religious shows openness and Jesus pivots to him, the scribe who liked what he heard from the rabbi. Intentionally looking for openness is the starting point of making disciples. Because the Holy Spirit is moving in the lives of people all around us, drawing them to himself. And when we look for, and when we intentionally look for openness and find it, we join him in the process of moving ourselves and others closer to the ways and the king of the kingdom. So what does Jesus do when he finds openness? How does he make disciples? Well, the most clear example I think that comes to our mind immediately is the twelve. He found openness in the 12 and he shared his life with them. And out of the 12, there were the three that were his inner, 
that were in his inner circle, that were with him at critical points in his life. Jesus lived a perfect life before them to show how someone in the kingdom thinks and acts and obeys. The depth of that relationship moves from calling them fishers of men to later calling them friends. And finally, after the resurrection, he tells Mary to go and tell his brothers. Making disciples can happen by finding openness in others and gathering them together in a group to share life in a way that our wills become more responsive to the king's authority and our thinking and our actions become more conformed to the ways of the kingdom. But Jesus had more than 12 disciples. Mark 12 is an example of Jesus making a disciple along the way. When he found openness in the scribe, he doesn't form a group, but he does invite the scribe closer to the ways and the king of the kingdom. We see this pattern of along the way in Luke chapter 19. Jesus is passing through Jericho and he sees Zacchaeus sitting in a tree and he invites him to come closer. Jesus is getting ready for a trip in Mark chapter 10. And along the way, he finds openness when a rich young ruler approaches him and Jesus invites him closer to his ways and his rule. Along the way, Jesus passes a well in John chapter 4 where he sits and comes across a woman and he invites her into his kingdom and his ways. Along the way of life, our paths cross people who are in conversations with the Holy Spirit And when we find openness along our way, we can join in that conversation and help them move closer to the ways and the king of the kingdom. Debbie and I work with a Czech organization called Dignity, whose purpose is to assist refugees. And along the way, we share share Jesus. It is remarkable the nationalities that cross our paths along the way. We count them as friends and we help in any way we can paperwork, language lessons, music lessons, finding a job, furnishing an apartment. And along the way, we tell them our story of being a disciple of Christ, how we are learning to bend our wills to help them because Jesus sees them and he loves them. Right now we're praying with a Muslim woman in the name of Jesus for a family reunification, which would be a true miracle if I laid the whole story out for you. And if the Lord wills, she will have no doubt that Jesus is Lord. We've prayed with Muslims asking God to reveal himself to them and then been able to discuss dreams they've had in which they've encountered Jesus. We are gathering those interested that we find studying the Bible as well as along the way. God is moving in the lives and we help them understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ in groups or along the way, bending our wills to the reign and rule of Christ. Openness is one thing along the way in groups. The final point that I want us to consider is Jesus' example of making a disciple is the centrality of Scripture. Jesus is discipling this scribe, and yet Scripture was at the heart. Even though the scribe was very familiar with the verses that Jesus quoted, he needed Jesus to come alongside him and apply the Scripture. Jesus uses the authority of Scripture, quoting Deuteronomy 6, to define his disciples' thinking. He uses the authority of Scripture in in quoting Leviticus 19 to define the actions of his disciples. And even though Jesus had the positional authority to call 10,000 angels to stand behind him as he declared himself to be the Adonai that King David submitted to, 
he quotes Psalm 110 and he waits for those that have eyes to see to recognize him as the Adonai, as the one to whom David had bent his will. As we work with our refugees, we give our friends Bibles in their language and offer to read it to them. Sometimes when they read it in their language, I have to pull out a Bible app on my phone and translate. And even through that, I'm amazed at what God can reveal because his word is active and alive. The authority of the word of God shapes them. And it's the authority that will continue to shape them long after Debbie and I pass out of their lives. A Christ-centered mission, the being and making of disciples of Christ happens regardless of our job description, level of education, or stamps in our passport. It is Christ extending his kingdom deeper in our lives and extending it further into the lives of others. As we watch Jesus' interaction with the scribe, what is his invitation to us? Could we be more intentional to find openness and gather in groups or along the way to become more responsive to the king's authority, to help our thinking and actions become more conformed to the ways of the kingdom? Could we pray for the eyes of the could we pray for the eyes of disciples here and around the globe that College Church is connected with to seek and to find openness to Christ the King and this kingdom ways in those they come across along the way? Are there ways that this congregation can disciple and continue to disciple those who have sensed a call to go and make disciples? What has been his invitation as Jesus defines his disciples, their thinking aligned to, the, to loving the true God, their actions aligned to loving others, their wills aligned to his authority? Perhaps you found yourself identifying with a seeking scribe and the one thing that you lack is to bend your will to the king. And if that is true, find a disciple sitting next to you, which includes the pastoral staff, and ask them to tell you their story of how they submitted and how they are submitting to the authority of Jesus. And so Jesus, as we bow our heads and bend our knee to you, our King, to whom all authority in heaven and earth, on earth has been given, we acknowledge that we are so very blessed by you. All your promises are true. You are with us forever, graciously guiding us, inviting us, instructing us, to live as your disciples. And we ask that you, O King, would open our eyes and our hands and our wills to your reign. Help us to be faithful as your disciples and eager to participate in your work of making your disciples. And we give you, O King, all the praise and the glory. Amen.